Radio. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the earth has to offer. Your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason, each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides. So, get ready to learn about natural nutrition, preventative pet health, and more with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Hello, I'm Kim Bloomer. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Jeannie Thomason, your other host. And today we're going to be talking about how to better communicate with our canines. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Patricia McConnell, and she is a zoologist, but she is pretty much a canine expert, isn't she, Jeannie? I believe so. (laughs) Great in the department of dog behavior, something that I think we all want to get inside of understanding. But before we do, we're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally will be right back. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E. Dash to dash P-I-C-K dot com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick. A B O N E dash T-O dash P-I-C-K dot com. Get 10% off with coupon code PetLife. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. 
Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Well, as I said, we are speaking today with Dr. Patricia McConnell. She is the author of a multitude of books for on dogs, and uh, one of some of them are really cute, the titles, For the Love of Dog. Of course, we can get with that, Jeannie. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, The Other End of the Leash, which I think is really important. Um, I just want to say hello to Barbara Howard at the Recipe Box. Thank you for joining us. She always loves to come and listen to anything dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, today that we're speaking with Dr. Patricia McConnell. Do- uh, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us. I know how busy you are. I've looked at your schedule. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, you know, we'd love for you to give um, our audience some of your background because it's quite extensive. I know you're a zoologist and you're still going to school. And the interesting thing for me is finding out how many people who are doing so many great things with our animals in this world and uh, continue to go to school. It's like you can't get enough. Uh, Our guest last week, same thing. She's been going to school, I think, for 30 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much to learn, and if you know, if you're interested in, and if you love animals, it's it's just a wonderful time. There's so many advances in biology going on right now. Um, you know, you mentioned for the love of a dog, uh, a book I wrote about emotions in in people and in dogs, and sort of what's the same, what's different. You know, glass half empty, glass half full, and it's such an exciting time to do that because there's so much going on in advances in neurobiology and biology and physiology and our understanding of of what is the same and what's different. So so there's just, I mean, I could just, oh, man, I would love to take a three-year sabbatical and do nothing but be a student for a while. Oh, I and, hear And just you. go hang out with them because, you know, I, one of the things I keep hearing repeated is, is that we're wanting... I think that, you know, as a child growing up, I watched Wild Kingdom, and I was fascinated by the what I saw. But more importantly now, we're more interested in the nature of animals, how their minds think, how they interact in their own societies and so forth. So to go take a three-year sabbatical hanging out and watching them, I think would mm-hmm. be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think so many of us share your interest in what is going on inside that mind? You know, what what is life like from their perspective? And it was in the in the fifties. You remember, it was B. F. Skinner, the psychologist, who who oh gave us such a legacy of understanding about learning and how animals learn, operant conditioning, and positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. But but at the time, nobody knew how to get inside what he called the black box. You know, he said the mind of another animal is a black box. You can't do science on it because it's too subjective. Right. So he didn't say there was nothing going on in there, but he said you can't study it scientifically. Well, now you can study it scientifically. And, and, and for, you know, people who love animals as much as we do, we know there's a lot going on. In <laughs> a lot more and, even than we thought because, you know, right. with, the, with the bird Alex, the African gray, that they have, you know, proven the cognitiveness of, of with with the studies they did with him. Yeah, Irene is Irene Tepperberg is, is the woman who originated that work with Alex mm-hmm. who as I'm sure you know tragically mm-hmm. um passed away last yeah. fall. But yeah. Irene Doctor Tepperberg she's just a wonderful wonderful um creative take on the world in which she taught this parrot not just to parrot back but but she she basically taught this parrot Alex to use language or words right. as a way to try and figure out you know, what was going on in his mind. And so she figured out that he understood the difference between... He, well, basically, he could understand concepts. He could right. understand abstract concepts like bigger right. or different or you know, different shapes. And Yeah, there's, there's some work going on um, it, with, with dogs 
there's a study that was done um, that looked to see if dogs could understand different concepts, you know, not different objects like is that a ball or is that your, you know, rope or or different verbal signals that, that um, are associated with an action, do this or do that, but rather can a dog understand this abstract concept of bigger or smaller? And it looks like they can, so... Hmm. All kinds of fun stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, well, do you know more about that? Are you Are you studying any in in that area, Patricia? No, I'm not doing research right now. I'm just just floating on the joy of reading about other people's research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not Good. doing it myself right now. Actually, I'm um, I'm taking a leave from teaching. I teach a class at the University of Wisconsin titled The Biology and Philosophy of Human-Animal Relationships, which is really fun to teach. Okay, and that's right up our alley anyway, because mm-hmm. we focus on the human-animal bond along with animal um, nature and natural animal health. So that is just, that's more fascinating me, to me more and more. It's such a change, it's such a fluid relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it is. Changed. And you talk about in your, tell us a little bit about your book, because I think it's interesting that, First of all, you teach positive reinforcement, and I think most people knows, know what that means. But you, you talk about um, the other end of the leash. I'm thinking maybe the end of the leash that's holding it. Is that what you're implying? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, there's sort of a question like, which end of the leash is she talking about? <laughs> you are absolutely right. I was talking about the one that's holding, the one that's walking upright, because that's the one... If you ask animal trainers, who is harder to train, a dog or a person to train a dog? And every single, every single one, you, you, say, you say that at a dog seminar and like all the trainers burst out laughing because I could tell when I was doing consultations when I got tired, I would just start working the dog. Because right. it was so much easier. And so that book, The Other End of the Leash, actually was motivated after a training class, you know, I was doing typical training classes at night, um, beginning family dog training, and, and, and I drove away feeling that sort of tired feeling that a lot of trainers have when they said the same thing for 5,000 times. <laughs> like, don't say, sit, 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 don't repeat yourself. And, and, and I was driving home and I thought, why? Why do people always make the same mistakes? I don't. I don't mean the same mistake over and over again. Although most of us do, but mm-hmm. but you know, why is it universal that those mistakes we make are so universal? Like we repeat ourselves. We say sit, sit, sit. You know, if the dog doesn't sit, we say sit again. If the dog sits, we still say it again. You know, sit, sit. The dog sits. There you go, sit. Why we do we do that? So I drove home and I couldn't sleep. Turned on a video of chimpanzees, and there was this chimp going. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. And I thought, sit, 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 sit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I went, wait, this is our inner chimpanzee coming out. <laughs> you know, we are, I mean, we are primates. Right. And no matter how you believe we got here, no matter how you believe we ended up how we are, we are mammals, we're in the form of mammals, our closest relative, our chimpanzees and bonobos, and if you watch their behavior, it's like, oh, wow. They repeat their, <laughs> they repeat their words a lot, do they, in their, in their own they, um, society? They do, and, and here's the thing that's universal, actually, this is universal among a lot of mammals, is that when, when mammals get excited, they repeat, they repeat single notes faster and faster. Hmm. Um, and and we do the same thing. And so one of the things you'll see happen in beginning family dog training classes that we can all take to heart and all the professionals learned to 
say words in a different way than the way they're feeling. Because if you're really excited and you're afraid your dog's not going to stay, say you say, you ask your dog to sit and stay because there's somebody really important at the door. Right. You know, it's like a cop or the insurance agent or (laughs) now, you know. Right. Right, who may leave you money but hates dogs. And so you say, sit, stay. And and, and you think they're not going to say, go stay. Stay, right. stay, stay. What I used to do when I was competing in herding dog trials, and I was never very good at it, I'd go, lie down, lie down, lie down. <laughs> and you have to teach yourself to go, chief, stay. You know, you have to change your, the way you say something should reflect what you want from the animal rather than the way you're feeling inside. And so, yeah, that's something we share with chimps. They get excited. They go, <laughs> we get excited. We go, sit, 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 sit. Or, no, stop barking. No, 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 no. Now, to a dog, that means, you know, because when the higher your voice goes, the more excited you get, the more they're going, she's happy, she's happy, she's happy. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. She's excited. You I guess I'm going to get excited, too. You nailed it. And, and, you know, when they're barking, it's even worse because it's like, what is yeah. it? You must think we're barking. I mean, right. we're barking with them. Right. Barking oh, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. So, you know, be quiet. I said be quiet. Be quiet. Right. Be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> barking is contagious after all. Just because you can't do it very well mm-hmm. doesn't mean and they shouldn't join doctor. in. Our dogs totally are looking at us like, okay, they're happy with me. I'm excited, so I'm going to get more excited because they get so excited. And, and it's kind of like a snowball effect, isn't it? I, yeah, I do. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's something that um, ethologists call emotional contagion, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, emotions mm-hmm. are contagious. And mm-hmm. so one individual starts getting excited and they express that through their movements and their voice. And so often um, we affect our dog's behavior. That's really the main thesis of the other end of the leash is that your dog's behavior is so often a reflection of your own. So if you want to, if you want to improve your dog's behavior, you need to focus. You know, you need to ask yourself, "What am I doing? You know, what am I doing that right. being reflected back in the dog?" Well, that goes to, and I've seen this happen. <coughs> excuse me, with so many people, and I think I recognize it because I've been guilty of that with, um, because the dog I have now is a he's not, not a re- there we go he's not a recovering uh, rescue. He is recovered, and because he had such a fear of a cer- certain men. Mm-hmm. And the way they were, and I would. Yeah, I'm losing Kim. Yeah. But you know, if if while she's coming back, um, I think what she's speaking to is something that so many of us do. You have a dog who's uncomfortable about unfamiliar dogs or unfamiliar people, and you're walking down the street, and you see somebody, and you think, uh oh. You know, and there it is right there. You go, uh-oh, right. and your dog immediately feels the tension, hears your voice, and thinks, uh-oh. Right, <laughs> exactly. And those, those tensions go right down the leash. That's right. That's right. And so part of positive reinforcement and using operant conditioning and sometimes classical conditioning is if you have a dog like that who's nervous about unfamiliar dogs or people, one one of the best things you can do is to is is to teach your dog a, a response which one is um, incompatible with a problematic response, but also that jollies you up, both of you, you know. Mm-hmm. So you could so, so say you teach your dog to to look at your face when you say "Watch me." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've actually done it with I actually did it with myself. I, I have a dog right now who came very uncomfortable about unfamiliar dogs, and I'd say, "Oh boy, look." 
Oh, look, look, there's another dog. And when he saw another dog, he got to play tug-of-war, which is his favorite thing in the world. Oh. But just by saying, oh, boy, it changed how I felt, rather than right. like, oh, no, I'm doomed. <laughs> that, that is really good, Patricia, you know, because since they do pick up on our emotions, if you're excited and happy to see another dog, then they're going to be, it only makes sense now. Yeah, it's, so much of life makes sense after the fact. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I know you, you, we get tense and, and nervous and, and think, oh no, you know, what's going to happen now? Is he going to, is he going to bite? Is he going to lunge? Is he going to cower? What's he going to do? And the dogs go, what should I do? What should I do? Exactly. <laughs> She's nervous, boy. I better be. And you know, people. In my experience, my clients are often they're so hard on themselves. They say, I know it's, I know it's a lot my fault because, you know, when I just got him, another dog ran up and they got in a terrible fight, and mm. so now every time I see another dog, I get nervous and I. I know it's my fault. I'm like, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, of course you get nervous. You don't want there to be another dog fight. But right. So a lot of these techniques that help dogs are just as importantly designed to help the animal or the other end of the leash. That's really awesome. Because if you have experienced, you know, a fight where your dog got into a fight with another dog, and, and like you said, you're going to be tense and, and picturing that in your mind happening again, and you're actually helping the person to calm down so that the dog can calm down. That's right. That's right. It's, wow. it's, you're basically you're using classical conditioning. Mm-hmm. Classical conditioning. You know, Pavlovian classical, get the dogs to drool when you ring the bell. Right, no. right. <laughs> you know, so that you get, so when you see a person or another dog approaching, you can be like, oh boy, this is a training opportunity here. That's what I tell people. As long as... Conditions are controlled enough that you're not in a situation in which things could go bad, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't have control over things. So you need to be very careful about keeping yourself out of those situations as best you can. Yeah. But so, you know, the more you can set up situations where, where when you see something like that, you're like, oh, this is great. This is another training opportunity. Mm. Oh, boy. You know, and then, of course, you need for situations like that where you don't always have control. Say you're walking down the street Oh, I've had a million clients this happened to. You're walking down the street with a dog who, say, is, like, not good around dogs he doesn't know. Right. A lot of dogs like that, by the way. Mm. And so you're walking down the neighborhood street. You've left. You've gone out at 5 in the morning. You're like, so <laughs> yeah. nobody else is out there. And then you look up, and there's this, I don't know, say it's like a yellow lab running at your dog, mm. running at you like a heat-seeking missile, ears flopping, you know, tail, you know, tail going in a mm. circle. And, and the owner is a block behind way going like, it's okay, <laughs> he loves dogs, <laughs> and you're, you know, I tell people to do something like, my dog has parvovirus, you know? <laughs> <laughs> has rabies, rabies, so another thing that I teach people that, that I, I used myself a year or so ago is... You also, you needed this emergency sort of emergency crisis backup, you know. Mm. What do I do if that happens? So you're not like just helpless. So you can actually teach your dog. People don't believe you when you tell them that they're like, right, this won't work. But it works often. You teach your dog an emergency sit-stay. You go, sit-stay. 
and you teach them to that voice so they're used to your voice being sort of panicky because there's a dog running at you, right? How can you not be panicky? Mm -hmm. So you're sit, stay, and you teach them to stay behind you as you move forward in between your dog and the the oncoming missile, you know, and you get in between um, the approaching dog and your dog, and then you do a big, huge hand sweep and you say, shit, or you throw a big handful of food at his face, which usually oh. stops all, oh, you know, they stop and then they eat all this little food in the grass that you've thrown and you get out of there, you know. <laughs> so it helps to have this sort of emergency backup plan so you yeah. don't feel like, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's really good to know. Do you get a lot of um, clients that have, you know, more than one dog in the household and maybe suddenly two of the dogs aren't getting along and yeah. now they're thinking about selling one because of it? Yeah, it's a, it's it's not uncommon at all. And it's, oh, I'll tell you, it's, ask any animal behaviorist, it's one of the hardest ones that we have to deal with because mm-hmm. you get somebody who's in love with two dogs, mm-hmm. you know, or three or... And they love their dogs, and um, it's and they're just, just devastated a, when this happens. You know, it's so hard, and and it's you know, it's just a fact that dogs evolve from wolves. I mean, they are wolves in one sense; they're right. the same species genetically, but of course, behaviorally, they're very different. But but they evolve from animals who 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 do have individuals who don't get along. You know, mm-hmm. dysfunctional families. You know. <laughs> Packs where there's one individual who is just picked on or or for some reason everybody hates and what you know what happens that individual leaves right they leave, yeah, but they can't leave or they, or they get killed exactly well, you don't you know that can't happen in your household, so there are some the good news is that there are there are quite a few cases where you can get that turned around and 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 truly get things so everything is is at least relatively harmonious and there's not a lot of tension. There are cases and the hardest one is female-female. Yes, you know, I have several females myself and I have one that does not get along with any of them. Mm. So I I can understand how that would be more common. Do you keep her separate? I do. I have to. You know, I mean, I, I, I have a pretty... A pretty healthy pack environment for the most part, but she uh-huh. is she's been here the longest. She's the oldest and she's alpha and and if one of the other girls decides they want to be in charge, she won't have it. And, and I really she drew blood, I decided it was time to, you know, just keep her separated. And I really I credit you a lot. I want to acknowledge you for doing that because it is absolutely true that there are there's what I like to say in seminars there's a reason bitch is a dirty word. (laughs) (laughs) There is a certain type of female dog who basically, who basically is like, you know, there's not room for the two of us. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into the kind of fight that males tend to get into. I call them display fights where it's banging of chess and (laughs) playing a football. And, you know, it's going to look like two dogs in a blender, except nobody gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Males tend to get into those kind of fights a lot. And sometimes they're serious, but much more often they're like, nah, 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 boo, boo, you know. Right. But you get two females who abs, you get one female particularly who's like, you're out or you're dead. Mm -hmm. And if you look at wolf packs, that's often what happens. 
is is the alpha female will not tolerate certain females and she's like, you're out. You're just mm-hmm. out or you're dead. And they're not having display fights. They're not negotiating. They're not, fi- they're not fighting for status. They're fighting for life and death. Right. And so you're really good for you. It's a hard decision, but I really credit you for doing it. Well, it, it is hard because I've tried, you know, everything I can, I can think of and read of and been told to do. And yeah. It, uh, you know, I, I can get them to get along even in the same room. I can have a water bottle handy and everything else. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're, she's constantly watching for her chance to, you know, to get in there. And you know what I um, talk to people about is in that kind of situation is that what 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 must it be like to be the target of that? Mm. You know, I, I have household aggression cases where where one dog is clearly it's like. It's like living with Jeffrey Dahmer, you know. Like, oh, no. Your dog is living with an individual who wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. And so your dog is living with the stress of wondering, are you going to forget to shut the gate? Mm-hmm. Are you going to let the door, you know, that's no way to live. Right. You know, so, or, or, or if they're all together, it's like, and this is typical with females, is you'll get like, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. Oh, they're dead. Yeah. You know, and and you don't get a lot of warnings. It's it they'll be fine for four months, and then bang, there's this horrific fight. So, so they're just some girls who just don't want to get along. <laughs> so, do you advise your clients to try to have a you know a male and a female instead of two females, or male and male, or some of the hardest cases to deal with are are when you get a a especially a particular female who just will not tolerate the presence of another female. Um, uh, I like to say in seminars, there's a reason bitch is a dirty word. You know? <laughs> just, and, and if you look in the wild, if you look at wolf packs, there are, it's very common for males to get into uh, frequent incidents of aggression, but it's rarely injurious. But it's but when you see aggression between the females, it's used, it can be really serious. And, and regrettably, sometimes the same thing plays out. So we know that in general, just if you look at the probability statement, aggression tends to be more serious between sexes or within a sex. Right. You know, and, and that fits with status. You know, there's a social status of sort of within females, there's a social status within males, and of course there's also social status amongst the whole group. Um, I frankly, and I'm not a human psychologist, but I have to admit, I'm not so sure that's so different than human society. <laughs> There's something yeah. similar that goes on. Right. But so if you have a choice, now there are only two sexes, so you know you you don't have a choice if you have two. Once you have two dogs, you don't have a choice anymore. But if if you have a choice, I always recommend just to get the odds on your side. If you have a female, get a male. Um, if you have a male, get a female. But you also want to look at what I call status-seeking behavior. Some people call it dominant dogs. Remember, dominance is a relate. There's no such thing as a dominant dog. Dominance is a relationship. You know, who if you drop a bone in between them and they both want it equally, mm-hmm. who gets it? You know, that's all. That's all dominance is. It, right. it doesn't mean anything else. Um, and so, if you have a super status-seeking female. You don't want to get a super status-seeking male, you know. You have a status-seeking female who has her tail up a lot. The base of her tail is raised. She's the first to get the toy when you throw it. Then you want to get one of those mellow whatever males, you know. It's like, whatever, you know, whatever. So I think that's as important, whether they're status-seeking or not, 
and whether you get one of those individuals who throws their weight around, who has, watch the base of their tail. That's a really good indicator. Well, right here's a good place for us to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Patricia about just exactly what that tail position means. We'll be right back. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally will be right back. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Hello, I'm Kim Bloomer. Together with Jeannie Thomason, we're your hosts of Animal Talk Naturally. And today we're speaking with Dr. Patricia McConnell about canine behavior. We're going to find out more about that tail position. There's actually some nice research that's just um, being written up here from the University of Wisconsin done by uh, Annika Lisberg, who did her Ph.D. on scent marking in dogs. And she was interested whether status had the influence on whether dogs overmark, you know, uh-huh. go pee on top of the pee of another right. dog. And she was looking at how can she tell who's who, you know, in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And she matched t- the ba- tail base position with who gets the food first when you throw it down in the living room, you know, sort of a scramble competition, and darn if tail base doesn't turn out to be very positively correlated with who gets the goodies first. Well, what is the, what do their tails do? What are they? If the base of the tail is held high, straight up, Mm -hmm. that tends to be a dog who either is or wants to be higher in the social hierarchy. That's interesting. Mm. 
So you have a dog whose tail is sort of straight out or held down lower. Um, they already know they're higher. No, or they don't care. You know, oh. or or they've accepted the other ones, or you know that that's going right. to be the guy who gets the bone, or or they they just they don't care. Yeah. I well, think you know, yeah. My dog, my dog is is a male, and he only hangs out, only likes females, and he's always been this way. Well, he hangs out with a couple girls at the park, and one female is very alpha, and mm-hmm. he always goes and pees over everything they do, and if they poop, he pees over it. <laughs> I mean, and his tail's always. Hmm, yeah, well, it just depends. I think he kind of, it, it's pretty stiff, though. I mean, and not at ha- not straight up, but kind of half mass. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you're saying that because, yeah, he wants to be the boss of everybody, but he knows the girls are the boss. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Accepting of the situation as it stands, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, one girl, she's just one of those easygoing, whatever, I just go with the flow. And, but the other one, she's pretty much the boss, and she's a lot smaller than him, but she knows she's faster, so. <laughs> yeah, size just does not matter in dogs. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't, does it? And that's another no. interesting thing, because some of the really little dogs, I've had chihuahuas try to charge my mastiff, and he looked oh, at them yeah. like, oh, yeah. Oh, Those little please. Napoleonic complex terriers. Oh, man, yeah. They don't care how little they are. <laughs> I don't think in their minds they think that they're so little. I think, I mean, they're just, they're dogs. They don't know, yeah. Yeah. Right, they're dogs. They don't think they have a concept of little and, and big. Well, you know, that's such an interesting question. I, I'm going to speculate, and I'm absolutely just speculating. I think they know exactly how big they are. Really? Because these other dogs. I just think they, I mean, you look at some of these dogs' terriers, they were mm-hmm. bred to be fearless. It's true. Fearless, and to have this. So what's up with chihuahuas? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, if if you look at a wolf pack, for example, it's not always the biggest um, and the strongest. And, and I think, right. you know, I think, again, when you look, you know, we need to be careful about being anthropomorphic, but I think mm-hmm. often we aren't when we should be. And if you look at human society, you know, think, think of the committee meetings you've been on, you know, who ends up taking charge? Is it always yeah. the biggest one? Mm, not a lot of times. Not. It's a, little, it's a <laughs> lot of times it's a little guy, and sometimes there's a little bit of a Napoleon complex going on there. Yeah. But you know, the I one who wants it the most, and it's the one who the others will accept as being a leader. And I, so I think there's a huge mm. personality factor here. And I think what some of those Chihuahuas and and a lot of those Terriers have going for them is they. Their bodies are small, but their personalities are really big. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, Patricia. We had, um, my mom had two small, really small, they were, I don't know if they were toys, but whatever, Jeannie has a, what are they, Jeannie, small miniature, whatever. What? Um, they're little, the little poodles. And Toy one poodles. was a little chocolate, and she was the female. Um, the males, my, my golden retriever male and, ha- and the male got along great. The female thought that I was hers. And my golden said, she is mine. Ooh. And so they had a battle of the wheels going on there. She would get up on the couch, and he was too big to be up there laying on me on the couch. So she would look at him like, I'm higher up. <laughs> there, come there. <laughs> and, I mean, if he got too close, she'd grab a hold of his lip and, you know. 
And it was interesting to watch that interplay because he was like, but she's mine and it's my mom, you know. And it was kind of... going to have to fight for her. <laughs> yeah, and she was not have she was not bricking an argument with him about that. And here she was, you know, three pound, four pound tiny, dog. And, tiny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think they... I think they do think of us as their possessions. You know, it's like I imagine that your golden part of you is like, this is like the best bone in the world. <laughs> and I'm not sharing it. She gives, she, she has these amazing appendages that she pets. Mm, she and loves and hugs. Chicken. <laughs> she gives me kisses. She rubs my belly. She gives me, you know, natural medicine. I get, you know, Chinese and you herbs know. and acupuncture. You know, I'm not I'm not sharing her with anybody. Right. And another thing that dogs do is they will turn the behind to you. Uh, yeah, that's really funny. They turn around and put their behind right to you. My, my, I have a mastiff now, and he, that's what he always does. He, he gets all excited, and I want a big hug, and he turns his, his butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I'm going to kiss no. your butt. I get to kiss your butt, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's where we go with that. And you know, that's something for a dog where they're, uh, I think that's another whole body language thing, isn't it? It is, and, and I have to tell you, of all the many, many things, dogs, the postures and the expressions they have, that's when I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Why are they doing that? I don't know. But certain breeds do it more than others, and mastiffs are famous for it. For turning their butts to you, it's like, yes. this my butt, I am beast. <laughs> mastiffs and great things. <laughs> like they like to sit on you, you know, they turn around oh, yeah. and they sit on your lap on the couch. You know? And they have the lean thing going on, too. Okay. And the lean thing, yeah. Golden's like, yeah. And gold, well, my golden used to get in trouble in obedience school, uh, not in puppy school, mind you. But he got in trouble because he, when he was a novice, they would say, "And don't let your dog lean on you when they're in the sit stay." Right. You know, lean against you when you're you have them on lead and you're walking them and you stop. They're just sit. But my golden wanted to lean, look up, and adore. <laughs> right. Well, you go, you just hate it, right? Oh, I just hate it when you look at me adoringly. This is horrible. And I, and I was like, we got to pass. Get off me. Get get off. <laughs> Shit. Get sit up. You know what? <laughs> you know what's so interesting about that is that 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 is such a great reflection of how. Family dog training classes have changed, or, or I would argue should have changed. Mm. You know, when, when I first started eight million years ago, it was like 20 plus years ago, eight all the classes in my, <laughs> all the classes in my area were, were all the training classes, they were all obedience classes, they were all called obedience classes, but they were all trained, they were all structured around obedience competition. So you spent a huge amount of your time having a dog on a recall come and sit in front of you straight, you know, oh, or when yeah. they were sitting beside you, they had to sit perfect. They couldn't sit a little crooked. Right. No. It's like, no. who cares? They you know, if you're not competing, who cares if your dog leans against mm-hmm. you or not? I so wish I had you for my teacher because mine was scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's no good. Well, it, it wasn't in competition. I just, you know, in a golden, I mean, how hard are goldens to train? Think about it. I mean, they're, that's what they're bred for. I mean, they're bred to be like the, these obedient retrievers. So he wanted to do whatever and, and then tell me, and I'm the best, aren't I, Mom? And I wanted to say, yes, but get off me because we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Do not adore me. It's unseemly. <laughs> Don't adore me here. You can adore me at home. <laughs> See, now, if you were in one of my classes, we would have said, oh, isn't that, let's put it on cue. 
Oh, <laughs> oh, how much do you love your mama? Oh. You know, and how much, show us how much you love your mama. Uh, <laughs> that would, see, now he would have gotten an A+. Cause he's Absolutely. A+. Well, that's the way it should be, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, obedience competition is an amazing sport. I, mm-hmm. My hat is off to people who do well in it. It's, it's, it's incredibly fun if you use positive reinforcement. You know, that some dogs love it, and they get into that precision, and it's like, fun and and I can do that and I can do that you know perfectly and so it's a it's a great sport for the right duo mm-hmm. but that's not what most people want to learn when they're when they have a pet dog right. so they want to not jump up on on Uncle Harry <laughs> when Uncle Harry comes to the door you know and not bark incessantly out the window and and not drag them down the street like a pack of sled dogs at the Iditarod <laughs> <laughs> Well, Patricia, you've got a whole lot of things coming up. Let's give everybody your website, which is www.patriciamcconnell.com, and we probably should spell the whole thing out so that they can find you for sure, but we'll have those links on our site. Um, Patricia, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-M. C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. Did I get it right? <laughs> you got it. You nailed it. Good girl. I'll give you some chocolate through the airwaves. <laughs> yeah. I'll take chocolate any day. Is it true? <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm really excited about a seminar that um, I and another certified applied animal behaviorist, Dr. Karen London, are going to be doing soon in Madison, Wisconsin. She's doing a day on, um, and then come to my website to learn about it. She's doing a day on play. Oh. And how to play with your dog and how not to play with your dog and what's appropriate play between dogs and what if there's a, you know, that bully player at the dog park, you know, the dog mm-hmm. who, whose owner is like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just, he's just playing. playful and all the, all, the, all the other dogs are like, this is a nightmare, get him off of me. And so what do you, you know, how do you decide if your dog is playing appropriately or not? And, and, and if you decide it's inappropriate, what do you do about it? And what, so there's a whole day on play and how you can use it to enhance your no, training. That sounds and like a fun. That, that, sounds, fun? that sounds great. And you then I'm going to do... Guy, you need to have the guy in your class that was at the park the other day with me, or not with me, but at the park with his two chows in the dark, and I'm running, and his dog decided he no bark, no anything, just growl and lunge, come lunging for her, with, and him oh. going, <laughs> stop, <laughs> <laughs> laughing, and um, I'm standing there frozen. Shall I run <laughs> or what? You know, because oh, so he had rough. two of them, and I thought, okay, he can't hold on to both of them. One's going to get loose, and I'm going to be chow meat in a minute. Oh. And, yeah, tough. so we need some of those guys to come learn from you for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> or, or, or you know, it helps, it helps to learn how, what to do in situations like that. Right. You know, the more you can – the the, the less you feel just helpless out there, you know, the less you just feel like, here I am standing, me in my skin, I'm prey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can feel so vulnerable. And, and one of the things that's helped me tremendously is, is to train yourself, you know, as if you were in a sport or the military or something, mm-hmm. you know, have a whole list of what to do if. 
mm-hmm. situations, um, it's amazing how much difference you can feel and how quickly you can get out of those situations. Well, I didn't want so, to call the guy and say, um, could you get control of your dog? Because then the dog would get like, okay, she's getting aggressive. You know, I'm going to protect my owner sort of thing. Yeah. I said, okay, I can walk away real quietly, and that's what I did. But... It was like, okay, I'm going to have a bite in the back of my leg any second. Yeah, you were right. I mean, you know, good girl. Obviously, you knew not to run away. I like uh, yeah. to keep my eyes on him. I don't turn my back on him. I'll turn sort of sideways. That's what I did. Eye on him. I kept my eye on him, and I thought, and he was laughing. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry or anything. He was. I was wanting to yell at him going, you idiot! <laughs> you know, <laughs> you were wise to keep that to yourself. Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> he might have let go on purpose. You never know. But yeah, the point yeah. is, you don't want the dog to feel that tension coming off of you, right? That's right. That's right. Oh boy, I think this dog is going to bite me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yay! I'm a little harder. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little challenging. So, yeah, so I think Dr. London's seminar is, a, is going to be really fun. She and I actually are working on a booklet um, on how on how to play with your dog, you know? And you'd think we wouldn't need that, but, you know, how to get your dog to bring the ball back when you're mm-hmm. fit- fetching. And here's some, um, here's here's a way you can use play to have a more obedient dog. And here's how not to play with your dog. And I think so I think that'll be really that sounds fun. sounds great. When's that going to be out, Patricia? That's um, probably, I would say, mid-June. We're going to... Oh, good. Um, Soon. Yeah, I have some drafts of it at the seminar in Madison on May 24th and 5th. So. Well, you're going all over the world. I mean, Sweden and uh, yeah. you're traveling all over the country and stopped in to do our show today. I mean, you're, you're a busy woman out there teaching people. How, and I think because we have such a, a dog-focused society, we really need more people learning these things. Mm-hmm. Interesting how much we love dogs, but yet um, how little we know or yeah, how people know right. about them, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and the responsibility that goes with owning, um, you know, they are wonderful animals, but there are also carnivore predators, you know, and <laughs> we we got to right. be responsible with that. That's right. And, yeah. you know, they can live, hopefully, 15, 16, 18 years. That's a long commitment, you know. It's it not is. a videotape rental. Right. It is. It is. And, and I'm glad that you're out there teaching it. Well, people can go to your website at patriciamcconnell.com and find up your upcoming seminars that are around the country. And maybe one of these days you'll come to New Mexico, Patricia, or, or I know you go to California. I'd love to come to New Mexico. I did a seminar there a couple of years ago, and I love your, I love New Mexico. Oh, I love it. So I'd love to come back. <laughs> Well, that we'll have to get the dog people around here to make there sure you go. To invite you out this way to teach some Talk of your, to your dog things. clubs or something. Your yeah, my clubs. pleasure, yeah. sure. Well, Patricia, we've run down to the end of the show, and even with our technical challenges today, it was fun, and um, from, and I get to go back and hear it all over again and, and make sure I fix everything. But <laughs> what <laughs> what parting words of wisdom would you like to impress upon the audience in closing? You know, I guess the one the wrap-up thing I'd like to say is that love is not enough. <laughs> is no matter how much you love your dog, you can still learn a lot more about what's going on inside that head and particularly how to communicate with him so that, or, or her so that life is a little less confusing. I think our dogs are so confused so often, and the more you learn, the better you can be at helping your dog understand you. Hmm. That, I'm so glad that you said love is not enough because I've actually had people get angry at me when I've said that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I think it's important that they hear it. We don't mean that love isn't important. It's very important. Um, but take it up a notch. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, let me just ask this. Do, you know, if, give it, if, assuming you love your spouse, you know, or your mother or your son, do you always understand them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Far from no. No. You know, but it makes life a little easier when you do. So yeah. it's not that well, different. We hope that you will stay in touch, Patricia. We'd love to have you back for some um, repeat uh sessions, yeah. so um, we invite our audience to please visit her website at patriciamcconnell.com and go check out her site, pick up her books, and go to some of those play seminars, play dating seminars. <laughs> um, I think that would be really a great way for people to learn how to interact with their dogs. Um, and tomorrow we're going to have with us Kim Meter with Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch talking about abused horses and how abused children are helping, they're helping each other heal. So that will be an interesting show for us to share. Patricia, thank you for being with us. We yes, thank you, you, Patricia. It was my pleasure. We hope you all, in a spirit of love and truth, have a tail wagging, hoof stomping, wing flapping, perfectly animal talking day. Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. Pet Talk Naturally, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Naturally.